Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. How are we? Wonderfully well. How are you? Yeah, very well over here too. Yeah, that's good to hear, people. Yes. Mm. News? <laughs> news. No, news. Other, I think the, my biggest news is I've just done a big drive through regional Victoria <laughs> and I've been doing quite a lot of that over the last few weeks and the roads are wrecked. So there's going to be a very, very large amount of money spent uh, repairing regional roads in Victoria. Is that from all the rain? Yeah, yeah. Crazy potholes everywhere, bits where the roads are washed mm. away more or less. Gosh. Just back to dirt. Yeah, it's nice. So if you're ever mm. driving in regional Victoria, take it easy. Good advice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm Very full sound of it. advice. <laughs> and every now and then I give some good advice as well. What about you two? What's news? We were able to get into the house and start moving on the 1st of December. So that's news. Oh, my goodness. That is news. Congratulations. That's not far away at all. Oh, I know. Now I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to pack the other place up. It's funny that you should mention the house because on, I don't know, earlier in the week, the end of last week, I'm not sure, the, the block, which we do not watch, and we've been out of the country oh, for most of the crazy. many, many seasons mm-hmm. there must have been. They were talking about the auction stuff. So I was trying to explain to Jeremy that it was in regional news, uh, regional Victoria. And I said, I know it's in Mount Macedon because like, they keep talking about that on the... Um, yeah, so I looked it up and then I could see you were en route if you were going from that's where right. on your way. And I went, oh, that's where Schmidt's bought. So there you go. Sure, yeah, I bought a house from the block because no, I've got that... a cheeky $5 million for a house that's worth eight hundred. Well, apparently no one else does either, so I don't that's think right. that'll work. That seems to backfire royally. When you've only got one person who buys the houses for the entire show, I think your concept is flawed mm-hmm. or the way that you're setting it up or the pricing of the houses or the calibre of the house. I don't know. It's just not, it doesn't work, does it, at this point? To quote the castle, you can overcapitalise. And uh, I feel like they overcapitalized in an area where the median house price at the moment is about 750000 No uh, way. Mm. Yeah. And it, look, people started saying this even before the auction and all that sort of happened, yeah. saying, not sure you'll get any buyers. And it's a real, I mean, it is bad because the people who've invested, the blockers themselves, have invested yeah. all that time and effort and stress yeah. building this thing and then getting no return on it whatsoever. It's pretty tragic, to be honest, apart from the boys who got, loads of money but yeah. no one else yeah. but like I, I haven't really thought about it like that so when they were talking about because I don't watch it I, but I did see the last one where they were talking about you know how people had taken months off you know their, their paid work and away yeah. from family and then to get nothing it's like oh I'm it's pretty sure that's what that's absolutely yeah. I'd be like I'd be ropeable ropeable so would I ropeable ropeable yeah. gropeable um, yes so what are we drinking go on Swanee you know you want to go first I've got a little uh, Coca-Cola, no sugar on the go today. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Wouldn't expect yeah. anything else. Very refreshing. It's okay. Well, I'm uh, drinking a, I think it's called Lies. It's the alcohol-free pink gin and uh, tonic. That's what I'm on today. Have you got something to do after this? No. Oh, still a little, 
dusty from last night, so I think I might just ease myself into today's recording. I do actually have a nice bottle of Delatite Gewurztraminer, sparkling Gewurztraminer in the fridge, so I might break that break that open soon. But for now, I'm just uh, easing my way into your story. Right, mm-hmm. great. Well, we're you- ha- we're having uh, an Andrew Buller Kenobi Chardonnay. Yeah, I knew you were going to be drinking because I heard the, have we got any hydrodols? <laughs> <laughs> That's always a tip. Um, but the, the interesting thing about this is that the grapes are grown across the road from us. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, Indigo just Valley next... grapes. Yeah, yeah. Grapes in the valley. Grapes in the valley, exactly. Yeah, good, good idea for a brand name. Have either of you or any of you heard of this wine? This came in probably two minutes before we were sat down to um, record. So there's a, a, a boat or there's a market nearby that um you know has a, a wine department in it. And the the headline of the um email is Riesling Freak 2022. And I went, what? Is that a joke? And it's the name of a wine. Have you heard of Riesling Freak? Riesling no. Freak. Riesling Freak. Riesling Freak. John. It's Riesling. I know. Freak-ed. But it's like got a really like <laughs> very, very old style Riesling looking bottle. Like even the labels were and it just says Riesling Freaks, John Hughes produces some of South Australia's most sought after and and precise expressions of Riesling. The mm. collection has been created with... I don't know if I like Riesling. Co- I think the last Riesling I had I thought was gross, but maybe it was just that one. I don't mind a Riesling. Yeah, Riesling's a Riesling. lovely. Oh. It certainly is something from my childhood. There were lots of, you know, bottles of Riesling, you know, around the barbecue table when we were little. Yes. Mm. Riesling. Yeah, or casts. And I don't remember it being called Riesling Freak, but anyway, there you go. Yeah. I that was a bit... <laughs> that was the first that was a bold choice, it. yes. Right, who are we? I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together. And together we are. Trial. Trial. By. Wine. Oh, brilliant. And what trial do we have today, Clarky? I have a doozy for us today. Oh, good. Um, Mm. I like a doozy. Yeah, Yeah. so I came across this story because I was researching another story and when I was in Wikipedia, the, the story I was researching was a guy named Drew Peterson and then underneath it it said not to be confused with Scott Peterson. And you went, and so why I, would I get Drew and Scott go, confused? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. I know how to find out, though, because it's hyperlinked. Yeah. So I just clicked there. And so um, we'll save Drew Peterson for another day, but I'm going <laughs> to talk to you about Scott Peterson. Did I go to school with him? It sounds like someone I'd know, doesn't it? It sounds so familiar, yeah. Scott, Scotty Peterson. In, in Australia, he sounds like a little bogan Aussie, yeah. but he's not that. Mm. He's, uh, he's from California. Scotty, Scotty um, Peterson. What were your sources? Oh God, Wikipedia. Beyond, <laughs> so, beyond Wikipedia, that had worked out. Hundred percent Wikipedia. So I, this is something that has been really hard to piece together and kind of get my head around yeah. because it's it's been going on for about twenty years. Whoa. Yeah, so we're talking about about a very long time frame, and in fact, it's uh, it's current at the moment in some media. Okay. And certainly certainly in the courts. Right. So um, that's always good. But <laughs> um, my sources are Wikipedia, NikkiSwift.com, Parade.com, PopCulture.com, Fox News, SFGate.com, The Murder of Lacey Peterson, which is a Foxtel TV series. I wonder if she's related and to Scott. 
That's a coincidence. Yeah, I wonder if that just gave it away. Drew, <laughs> Drew Peterson, not to be confused with Scott Peterson, not to Scott be confused Peterson. with Lacey Peterson. Correct, <laughs> correct. And then uh, while I was doing my long drive just earlier, I put on the Crime Junkie podcast because I had a two-part uh, series on it as well. So I gave them a listen. Yep. So that brings us to the story. Um, yes, as, as I've already alluded to, this is about the murder of Lacey Peterson. Have you have you heard of it? I I know the name, but I can't put. I have a sneaking suspicion. I I haven't, but I have. There's something in my sort of peripheral vision where I'm thinking that we're going to get something, and I think, oh, it's one of those crimes. It's a couple that I I get confused with, but I think it's one of those. It's one of those. Yeah. I think you'll absolutely know parts of it, and if you Google Scott Peterson, I think his face will look familiar to you. Scott Peterson uh, was born on the 24th of October in 1972 in San Diego, California, uh, to Lee Arthur Peterson, uh, a businessman who owned a crate packaging company, and Jackie Latham. Though Lee and Jackie had six children from previous relationships, Scott was their only child together. Oh. Yeah, he began playing golf at an early age as a result of time he spent with his father. And by age 14, he could beat his father at the game. For a time, he had dreams of becoming a professional golfer like Phil Mickelson, who was his teammate at the University of San Diego High School. And by the end of high school, he was one of the top junior golfers in San Diego. Yeah, he He went to uh, California Polytechnic. State University. Whilst he was there, he worked at a restaurant in Morrow Bay called the Pacific Cafe. So one of his co-workers would receive visits uh, from a neighbour named Lacey Denise Rocha, uh, who also attended Cal Poly, Cal Poly as an ornamental horticulture major. Scott and Lacey met at the restaurant in mid-1994. Lacey made the first move, sending Scott her phone number. And immediately after she met him, Lacey told her mother that she'd met the man that she would marry. Peterson later called Lacey and they began dating, uh, their first date being a deep sea fishing trip on which Lacey got seasick. How romantic. Oh, oh God. I was thinking that, though. When you said about deep sea, I thought, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a weird I'd be terrified as well. It's like yeah, every, same, everything yeah, about yeah. that is not the kind of thing I bet. Oh, yeah. So they dated for two years and eventually moved in together. In 1997, after Lacey graduated, they married. While Scott finished his senior year, Lacey took a job near Prunedale. Peterson graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in agricultural business in June 1998. After their graduations, the Petersons opened a sports bar in San Luis Obispo. called The Shack. Business was initially slow, but eventually improved, especially on the weekends. And then the Petersons decided to put The Shack up for sale when they moved back to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. Modesto, California. Mm -hmm. Do you know it? Yep. What do you know about it? Swanee's really good at the American. I know, she's so good. Well, I know two things. One was one of my kids used to watch, oh, it must have been Alex, used to watch, I don't know if it was Disney, it was DreamWorks, there was some movie that they had which was about aliens and monsters when they were little and it was set in Modesto, California because it was in the middle of nowhere and they could get away with stuff. That was the first place at the time I'd ever heard of it. But I also believe I've either been near it or through it. I think it might sit somewhere near that fruit belt that I've told you about before where it's all that really sort of unassuming farmland but like where they have almonds and it's just it's really not particularly exciting. It's pretty dull. I can't imagine someone from San Diego 
wanting to go to Modesto, to be honest. So I, I heard on the podcast I was listening to that they've got a thing like a, a slogan that is health, wealth, something or other. Yeah. But the locals called it murder, meth and automobile theft. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... um. It's not, I guess, the sleepy little hollow that you might think it, it would be. Uh, Scott was earning a salary of around $5,000 a month before taxes as a fertiliser salesman. And Lacey's loved ones, including her mother and younger sister, stated that she worked enthusiastically at being the perfect housewife, enjoying cooking and entertaining, and that she and her family welcomed the news in 2002 that she was pregnant. In November 2002, Lacey was seven months pregnant and Scott was introduced by a friend to a Fresno massage therapist named Amber Frey. Oh. And we'll, we'll put her to the side for one moment. Okay. <clears throat> so on December the 23rd, 2002, at 5.45pm, uh, Scott and Lacey went to a salon, uh, the workplace of Lacey's sister Amy Rocher, uh, for a monthly scheduled haircut. As they spoke, Rocher and Peterson offered to pick up a fruit basket that she had ordered for her grandfather as a Christmas gift the next day because Scott would be playing golf at a course nearby. Uh, prosecutors say Peterson also told other people he would be playing golf on the day of Christmas Eve. Later that evening, Sharon Rocher, Lacey's mother, spoke with Lacey on the telephone around 8.30pm. Anyway, the, the next day, Scott goes, uh, he wakes up, it's cold, and he decides that rather than going to play golf, he'll go fishing. Uh, so he was going to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Uh, he said he and Lacey were watching a cooking television show um, and that Lacey was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk the family dog to a nearby park. How wholesome. Uh, how <laughs> wholesome. Yeah, at eight months pregnant. Ooh. That's what you did at eight months pregnant, isn't it, Carla? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I wouldn't do that now, would I? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so she was uh, going to walk the dog to a nearby park. And so Scott headed off to go on his fishing trip and he did it by, he had a boat that he stored in a nearby warehouse. So he went over there, did a couple of things and then went off fishing. At around two-ish, he phoned Lacey and said that he was coming home, but he wasn't going to have, left a, a voicemail message. And it's a bit sucky. He uses the words, hey, beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he says he he's not going to be able to pick up the thing coach, so could she go and get it? And then he heads home. Okay, so anyway, he Scott gets home at around 4.30, 5 o'clock. And the first thing he does is he notices that Lacey's car is in the driveway, but Lacey's not home. And he notices that the dog is in the backyard with a leash on, which he kind of thinks, oh, well, that's a bit odd, but it's Christmas Eve. Maybe Lacey's gone out with the mum um, and they're doing some Christmas shopping or whatever. So he goes and has a shower and washes his clothes, comes back down. And at about quarter past five, he calls his mother-in-law because Lacey's still not home and says, oh, is she with you? And uh, they say, no, she's not. And so they start to worry. And then Lacey's stepfather, Ron, calls the police. But why straight away? Why would she be worried straight away? Because the dog had the lead on, yeah? Well, no, no. So he, he wasn't worried until he had his shower and everything. Oh, he oh. came back and he played two messages on the answering machine. Right. One was from him to Lacey. Yeah. 
And one was from uh, the stepfather to Lacey asking to pick something up. And so he goes, oh, hang on a minute. I thought she was with them. them. Mom, okay. The mum. Oh, right, got it. It mustn't be, so I'll ring them and ask just to make sure. And so anyway, they kind of, yeah, so the, the stepfather phones the police to report her missing. Um, and, and I guess importantly, it's not Scott who does that. Mm. Lacey was seven and a half months pregnant. Everywhere else I said eight months pregnant with a due date of February the 10th. And the couple had planned to name the baby boy Connor. Lacey was reported missing on Christmas Eve and the story attracted nationwide media interest. So it wasn't immediately that that happened. Uh, it wasn't until the Boxing Day that the media kind of picked up on it after Christmas, low news, and so they started turning up to report on that. So the first detectives on site were John Bueller and Alan Bracchini. Bueller. Bueller, John exactly. Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> Fry, Cameron Fry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they first turned up, uh, they noticed, so, so they asked to do a search of the house and Scott goes, yeah, no problem, have a look around. But the first thing that they notice, I guess, is uh, Scott's demeanour. So His demeanour to you or his demeanour to me? That's right. <laughs> they also noticed that Lacey's keys, wallet and sunglasses were found in her purse in a closet and the dining room table was meticulously set for a family dinner the following night, so obviously on Christmas Day. One of the two detectives found a phone book on a kitchen counter opened to a full-page ad for a defence lawyer. <laughs> it's almost as good as a smoking gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a dickhead. Okay. So uh, when the detectives questioned Peterson that evening, they found him to be dead calm, despite her family's distraught reaction to her disappearance. Brocchini found Peterson's nonchalant demeanour suspicious, describing it as a strange combination of polite and arrogant, disaffectedly distant and impatiently irritable. He just Slightly didn't narcissistic and psychopathic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he just didn't seem like a man who was crushed or even greatly disturbed by his wife's disappearance and possible mm -hmm. death. Hmm. Bueller told the ABC News in 2017, so obviously years later, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he did it, but I was a little thrown off by his cool, calm demeanour and his lack of questioning. So when, when they'd gone back a couple of days later, he wasn't saying, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? What are you guys doing now? I'm sure you're doing the best you can. On your, you know, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. No, no, no hurry. So, yeah, he's made, his message at 2.15 with Lacey said, hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Oh, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it sort of kind of ends with, I can't pick up that thing, but I'll see you soon, love you, or something like that. <laughs> and so the, the interesting thing, and I'll, I'll get this out of the way now, is that straight away, because of his demeanour, he was a suspect. So everything that happened started to be viewed from the point of view of him being guilty. Okay, yeah. So, you know, when, when he's doing this message, it's, it comes out later that it's a bit sucky and, you know, a bit too put on and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Tiny sends me messages like that, though. It's a voice message, so... Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> might argue that Tony's a bit sucky, sure, but he's a bit more into the affection than me, put it that way. Let me put it like yeah. this. If my husband put the word beautiful in a message to me, I think you should all be looking to see whether he's about to murder me because it'd be highly <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit late. 
Oh, yeah. Then you have yeah. very reason to be suspicious. Every reason for us. Yeah, that's the difference between a seven-year relationship, correct, and Schmitty. a twenty-something-year correct. relationship. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, I laugh. <laughs> oh, I love. <laughs> so the story very quickly became national news uh, and a media circus quickly formed. So literally five o'clock in the morning roughly on Boxing Day, mm-hmm. the, the media are out the front. The media circus has come to town. It's exactly <laughs> right. And so the search for Lacey played out on television with numerous commentators following the investigation and ad- adding their opinions as the story unfolded. Mm-hmm. Now, it's hard to, I guess, understand or, or explain what that means, but an example of it was around the same time George Bush was preparing the country to go to war with Iraq, to invade Iraq, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. These two headlines are literally playing out kind of one and two in the news. So it was huge. And so Mm. these commentators that we're talking about, there there were kind of these debates going on about his guilt or innocence and, and predominantly his guilt. So people were very quickly saying things like, he rubbed me up the wrong way and that's how I know he's guilty Mm. Um, and this is playing out across the whole country. So everyone starts to form and, and watch this news every night to get the latest update, the latest controversy, the Which latest are, bit. Yeah. Exactly right. And and so one of the commentators was Nancy Grace. And we got to see her in the Foxtel miniseries, The Murder of Lacey Peterson. And she is going to sound quite strange because... I probably am a little bit similar, but she was very quick to form an opinion and very confident in going after Scott in the media before a trial could happen. And, of course, every little rumour that came out would play it in the media. So there was talk of when the police first got there, the house smelled of bleach, and so that was all over the news. Um, it, It wasn't true. And it was never retracted by the media. So every time they announced something that was the latest bit of news, Mm -hmm. if it came out that it was later false, they never said, hey, everyone just wanted you to know this is not true. They just let it go and kept running with the story. You're not helping, you know, media. You're not helping this. If this person really is the bad guy, the prejudice... You know, the, the, the difficulty of actually taking someone to court on something like this when the entire country has formed an opinion that they're guilty, yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah. It's like it, the Lindy Chamberlain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right. It absolutely doesn't. There's a number of things happen that sort of progress the investigation, but on the 17th of January in 2003, uh, it became known that Peterson had engaged in two other extramarital affairs prior to an affair with a woman named Amber Frey. So Amber Frey is the, the one third. that I mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. This is this is what Wikipedia says. Okay. I hadn't heard of the other two anywhere else. So okay. again, you know, some of what I'll tell you may or may not be true, but yeah. once it's out there, it's hard to disprove it. So it just kind of flies. Yeah. But but certainly Amber Frey. Um, was definitely somebody who he did have an affair with. And and by affair, they were probably going out for about five weeks and caught up four times in that five weeks. So not a, you know, six-month affair or anything like that. It was only fairly new. So as this all started playing out on the news, Amber finally realised that 
the person that was all over the news was the person she was having an affair with. So she approached the police about Peterson, who had denied to police that he was having an affair. So this is what Wikipedia says. What he had actually said was that there were no issues with his marriage. So in the first night where he got interviewed by police down at the station, he said that there's no issues with his marriage. He didn't actually say, I didn't have an affair. He just said (laughs) that there were no issues with his marriage. It's... Oh, God. Mine would be, again, the total opposite. They'd sit me down. I wouldn't have done anything wrong. And they was like, are there any issues? And everyone would go, no. I'd be like, where shall we start? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd get yeah. here and it was like, no, she can't be guilty with you. She's just gone into too much detail. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked because it's nice to be able to share it with somebody. <laughs> but they all say that, don't they? Oh, no issues, nothing to look at here. So Amber told the police that she met Scott on November the 20th and that he had initially told her he was single. After they'd begun dating, however, she became suspicious that he was married and confronted him on December the 9th about this. Frey said to Brachini, he said he lost his wife. This would be the first holiday he was without his wife. And that plays out a little bit later as well. <clears throat> Uh, so careless of him to lose his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Frey allowed police detectives to secretly record her subsequent phone conversations with Peterson in the hopes of getting him to confess. Uh, so the recordings revealed that in the days after Lacey went missing, Peterson told Frey that he had travelled to Paris to celebrate the holidays in part with, with his new From companions, Pasquale and Francois. Excuse Henry. me? <laughs> In part with his new companions, Pasquale and Francois. He just made that up, I assume. In reality. (laughs) (laughs) Did he go and go, what are two French names? I'm sorry, did he go, my French uh, Jean-Paul and... uh... Yeah, exactly. And Paul Jean. And Paul Jean. Um, (laughs) Valjean. (laughs) Yeah. In reality, he had made one of these phone calls minutes before attending the New Year's Eve candlelight vigil for Lacey in Modesto. Oh. Mm. Mm. Like that's odd. Yeah. At at best. So did did Amber after the ninth of oh actually on the ninth of December what it was, did she continue to see him? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's a, a yeah, and there's a photo which is quite a famous photo of her and Scott at uh, one of her Christmas parties. Okay. And that gets used. Later and on she as well. thought that his wife had was lost. <laughs> Um, at, he yeah. was dead, yeah, or something. He lost. Something. It misplaced her. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So she believed that, right? Got it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. The family were very supportive of Scott uh-huh. and, and um, felt that he was innocent. Yeah. That all changed when the photo from the Christmas party came out. Uh, one of the media, I think it was a, a newspaper or a magazine, got hold of it. Uh And so they rang the police to say that they were going to publish it the next day. And the police, so this is while, you know, police knew about Amber, but the public didn't. They were recording her phone conversations. But because the media were going to put the picture in the paper or the magazine, the police felt that they should tell the parents. And the mum, apparently, the first thing she said was, why did he have to kill her? So straight away, the mum went to Scott's killed Lacey. Her daughter. So then Amber comes out and does a press conference, which is quite emotional to watch. She's shaking. She's 
struggling to breathe. She's struggling to talk and she confesses about their affair, says that she had no idea, apologizes for the hurt to the family, uh, all those sorts of things. And this plays out again all over the media and changes in some ways the, or probably ups the ante in terms of the media coverage whereby you know, now he's having an affair. So that gives him motive for killing his wife. Got it. Many in the media decided that Scott was guilty and happily reported their opinions despite the lack of any evidence that pointed to his guilt. After that, the investigation really starts to slow down. So no new evidence comes about and there's still uh, a lot playing out in the media, but not very much happens other than that. So there's no... Oh, I don't know, the last time she was seen or no one spotted her walking somewhere or with somebody else, there's nothing like that. It was just, yeah, just, so, just poof, gone. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that now probably rather than later, but it does come out in the trial part as well. But so okay. the thought process was that, so the dog was found with a leash on in the yep. backyard. One of the neighbours reported that at 10.18 she had gone past the house, seen that the dog was out in the front yard with the mm-hmm. leash on yeah, and so put it in the backyard. Right. So Right, okay. So the, the, the she's got a receipt from a shop and the timeline from when she's done that to when she's got there, they work out 10.18 yep. is about where it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. After that and as this plays out, in the media, I've heard different numbers, but between nine and about 21 people come out and say that they saw a pregnant woman walking a golden retriever after that time. Okay. But there's some inconsistencies in terms of what she might've been wearing or the exact time and so it's hard to prove anything but why witnesses are often unreliable exactly right but but the reason that they go with the 1018 time is that there's that shopping receipt to support it yeah 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 so as the investigation quietens down the police by this point still haven't spoken to any of the people who said that they saw her so you know there's a a big volunteer thing going on there's a, a lot of people trying to help find Lacey and so people are reporting that yeah I saw her here at this time and I saw her there at that time and Whatnot. And I think, to be fair, some of those, when they talk about the 21 people, I think some of those were people who said they saw her outside of the area. But nine or 11 of them, I think it was, saw her on various points of a walk that she would do every day with the dog. So that was her normal routine. And they all said they saw her post 10, 18 but none of them were followed up by the police. So then on April 13, things take a bit of a twist. April 13, 2003, a couple walking their dog find the decomposing body of a small baby in a a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay uh, on the shore. So that's pregnant, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, so they find the small baby. Now, the baby, whilst the uh, autopsy results were sealed by a judge, an anonymous Associated Press source revealed that one and a half loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and there was a piece of electrical tape over one of its ears holding its ear down. And I believe it was holding it forwards, not backwards. Mm. So Why? Correct. A day later, 
a passerby found the torso of a recently pregnant woman wearing wearing beige pants and a maternity bra on the eastern shore of the bay along a rocky shore of the same park. No legs. No. no what? Legs. How's it what do you mean yeah. beige pants? Do you How's she pants? Yeah. yeah. How does she got? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's no legs inside them. I, I'm, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, no, no. Not sorry. Trousers. Wearing wearing beige pants and a maternity bra, not trousers. Under pants. Oh, it's Nicky under Nats. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Panties. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite sound right to talk about that. some like cut up corpse. We're talking about having knickers on, does it? It doesn't sound no. right. Undergarments. The, the, the corpse was decomposed to the point of being almost unrecognisable as a human body since oh. the head, arms, most of the legs and all of the internal organs except for the uterus were missing. Except for the uterus? Uh-huh. What? Was, was there any on. evidence of it being a, this body being eaten by animals or fish or anything? So interestingly, uh, it doesn't ever come up. But there is a theory that when Scott went to the warehouse, and this is part of the defence's, sorry, the prosecution's theory as to what happened, he made some concrete anchors and he used five anchors to anchor down her body. And in one of the things that I saw, I can't remember if it was the Foxtel show or one of the things I read, but they were basically saying that, so there was five points, one for each of her feet one for each of her hands and one for her neck and they are the things that pulled everything off pulled everything apart as she decomposed because of i think tidal movement or whatever but somebody an expert had said that's just not possible and it's not it's actually not what could possibly have happened and and i think that makes a lot of sense to me what makes a lot of sense to you? That they wouldn't the have just fallen that... apart. The, that you wouldn't, your body wouldn't, that the likelihood of your head, arms and legs coming off each of those points is is very, very slim. <gasps> and with that, an autopsy report, you can't see if there's any stray engines from a cutting, cutting the limbs off or anything like that either. So on April the 18th, 2003, the results of DNA tests verified that the bodies were Lacey Peterson and her son, who was to be named Connor. The autopsy on both bodies was performed by forensic pathologist Dr. Brian Peterson. No relation. Oh, God. Not to be confused. <laughs> not to be confusing yeah, yeah. Drew Peterson. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it doesn't say, uh, yeah, not to be confused. Exactly. So Connor's skin was not decomposed at all though the right side of his body, it says he was mutilated, but it also said that it had a cut. So I guess, you know, I don't know whether mutilation is an over-exaggeration of a cut or whether it was mutilated. But uh, an April 24th ABC News report stated his umbilical cord was still attached, although uh, not to his mum. And the San Francisco Chronicle reported that it appeared torn rather than cut or clamped as is the normal practice following birth. After, uh, however, an ABC News later reported that on May the 30th, according to the autopsy, the placenta and umbilical cord were not found with the body. So this is this is the whole thing with the but, case. Yeah, but was she not, if she was in the water and she was pregnant in the water, the whole baby not being with her and bits of like the placenta and that falling away and all the rest, none of that is odd to me because... Remember I was telling you guys the other day about a, a thing where the, it happens that if a woman has had, a woman is pregnant and she dies and the fetus dies, if the fetus is still inside her, as she decomposes, it's actually pushed out of the body. Yes. So 
that, that could have been what happened here. The only bit I don't understand is the cord around poor little baby Connor's be- neck. Because, and because yeah. like everyone else at the time, you're assuming that she has been put into the water, tied down whilst pregnant. So killed whilst yeah, pregnant. Yes, so I realised the theory Correct. here is that he's he's taken so, the baby out. So I the the no 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 that's not the or theory, and we'll get birth. to it. The point is no no. So the, the point oh, is that right, what we're, sure, sure. what is playing out is that everyone kind of looks at everything and goes that little bit must be true because he's guilty. So of course you know the the umbilical cord has been torn rather than cut or clamped. Although according to the autopsy, it later comes out that there was no umbilical. But but it's already played out in the media, so everyone starts to go, well, of course that makes sense because that's consistent with the prosecution's theory and therefore... Getting our guy. Adds weight that he's guilty. Yeah, I mean, let's just listen to what suits our version of events and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So the exact date and cause of Lacey's death were never determined. Uh, Her cervix was intact. She had suffered two cracked ribs. But Dr. Peterson, no relation, not to be confused with, Drew. could not determine if this occurred before or after her death. Lacey's upper torso had been emptied of internal organs except for the uterus, which protected the fetus, explaining the lower level of decomposition it experienced. Dr. Peterson concluded the fetus had died in utero and determined that Connor had been expelled from Lacey's decaying body Though when cross-examined in court the following year, he conceded that he could not determine whether he had been born alive when this occurred. The discovery of the bodies created a greater sense of urgency for Brocchini and Bueller, Bueller, who had been <laughs> put, Bueller. <laughs> who had put a tracker on Peterson's car, knowing that he was uh, in San Diego at the time. They feared he would just escape across the border to Mexico. Brocchini commented in 2017, I just thought we've got to find Scott right now. He told me he was there and that's where the bodies come up. I mean, I believe it was premeditated. He planned it. When I say he told me he was there, he said he was at the marina marina and the body came up. Yeah, 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 Yeah. correct. San Diego was pretty darn close to the Mexican border. Scott knew the area pretty well. That's where his parents lived. That's where he lived. So it wasn't like he was going to have to get on MapQuest to try to find out a way to get to Tijuana. The FBI and Modesto Police Department had performed forensic searches of Peterson's home as well as his fishing boat. The only evidence they found was one strand of hair on a pair of pliers found in the boat. They'd searched his pickup truck, toolbox and warehouse where they found a concrete block that they believed to be an anchor. Police conducted further searches of the bay in an attempt to locate more of these handmade concrete anchors. They believed weighed down Lacey's body while it was underwater and nothing was found. Although at the time, the technology they had, I'm not sure if it was um, radars or whatever it was, but could absolutely have picked something like that up on the floor of the ocean. Peterson was arrested on April the 18th, 2003, near La Jolla Golf Course. He told police that he was meeting his father and brother for a game of golf. His naturally dark brown hair had been dyed blonde and he had grown a moustache and a goatee. (laughs) His Mercedes... That's just because of the amount of press he was getting that he was trying to make himself look different. So... At the very least. In the press, it plays out that he's trying to hide himself from police so that he can get away. However, the the family say that he changed his hair colour to escape 
just the not the even media. just the not even just, just the, the media public. the public because yeah, he's yeah, all yeah. over the news yeah. and that he had also had meetings with the police whilst he had blonde hair and blonde so goatee hiding. yeah so the police were very aware that that's what he looked that. like yeah. but of course the media report it therefore the public believe it plays into him being guilty so he was driving mercedes-benz at the time it was overstuffed with miscellaneous items including nearly fifteen thousand dollars in cash 12 Viagra tablets, survival gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, and his brother's driver's license in addition to his own. And a partridge <laughs> Peterson's father explained that he used his brother's license the day before to get a, a San Diego resident discount at the golf course and that Peterson had been living out of his car because it was constantly being followed by the media. However, police suspected these items were an indication that Peterson planned to flee to Mexico, Flight an idea risk. prosecutors would later concur with. In terms of the cash, so $15,000 in cash, an awful lot of money to have in your car. Apparently, the day before, his mum had given him the $15,000 in cash because she owed him the money. And... <laughs> And they say the day that he, so the day that he was caught, which was the day after, was Good Friday, and so banks weren't open, so he could he couldn't have put it in. On April twenty first, two thousand and three, Peterson Peterson was arraigned before Judge Nancy Ashley in Stanislaus County. He was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances: the first degree murder of Lacey and the second degree murder of Connor. He pleaded not guilty and was held without bail. So let's go towards his trial. Uh, before his arraignment... I'm struggling pe- with this because you really have set it up like it's bullshit and he didn't do it, but I'm not sure because, you know, he could have. Keep okay. listening. Keep, Keep, okay. Keep, so right, so, right. so bear in mind... Hang that, on in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Strap in. Um, before his arraignment, uh, Peterson had been represented by Kirk McAllister, a veteran criminal defence attorney from Kirk Modesto. Kirk McAllister. Kirk McAllister. Scotty Peterson, Kirk McAllister and Bueller. Bueller. (laughs) So Peterson later indicated that he could afford a private attorney, namely Mark Geragos, who had done other high-profile criminal defence work and was experienced in dealing with the media. So Mark Geragos was actually one of the commentators that was on the media and had always... uh, commented on the importance of evidence before making a judgment so there's uh-huh. there's conversations oh, between yeah. him and nancy grace where she's just assassinating him on national tv yeah I'm and, doing a and he's going horrible monstrous the, face correct there. yeah yeah just just because she was the one who said that he rubbed her up the wrong way and that's why he was guilty effectively <laughs> Which part of her did he rub up the wrong way? I know, right? <laughs> but Rub your wrong time. <laughs> you should hear her carry on on oh, the Foxtel special. You should hear her carry on. Oh, oh my God. Oh, it's really southern. On. Is it southern? Southern yeah. accent, but it's really loud. And he did this, and he did this, and he did oh, this. I hate it when they <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Shut up, yeah. woman. Yeah. Yeah. On January the 20th, 2004, a judge changed the venue of the trial from Modesto to Redwood City because Peterson was a victim of increasing hostility in the Modesto area. Mm. So Redwood City is about 45 minutes away from Modesto. So 
there was... I can't imagine all, it would have made a hell of a lot of difference, to be honest. This is the point, right? So, yeah. so because they, they wanted it moved because of the hostility, but also because of the fact that he would get an unfair trial because of all the media coverage, yeah. they moved it 45 minutes away because they then all right, we've solved that problem. So Peterson's trial began on the 1st of June 2004 and was followed closely by the news media, funnily enough. Lead prosecutor was Rick DeStazzo, while Juragos led Peterson's defence. In opening statements, Juragos claimed Peterson was a cad for cheating on Lacey, but was not a murderer. Yeah, right. So there was this incredible amount of information that was that went through the, the media, but one of the things was around the fact that he'd said that he and Lacey were watching, it was, what's that lady's name? The famous cook, um, Martha, Martha Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Martha Stewart. And so, yeah, so they were watching a cooking show with her. And so the police had said in the interview, well, what were they cooking? And he said, oh, it was something to do with lemon meringue cookies or something. So they determined that she didn't cook lemon meringue cookies in this in the nonsense. show. How is this evidence of anything? So this is what they talk about so in the trial, right? The, the, the prosecution goes straight in with, you said that you um, were watching lemon meringue cookies, lem- and that never happened. You so you must have them. killed your wife. <laughs> so, so no, so so they said so you're a liar, and this is this is yeah, proof yeah, that yeah. you're a liar. The yeah. defence then come on and play a part from the show where she talks about lemon meringue cookies. Right. So, oh, <laughs> so she didn't well, she didn't cook them, but she spoke about them. He's clearly not watching, you know, paying yeah. attention to it, but that's a bit that he remembers. The other thing was that Amber Frey, who was a prosecution witness, hired her own attorney, Gloria Allred, to represent her. Why Allred did she was, do that? Allred was not bound by the gag order imposed on those involved in the trial. Although she maintained that her client had no opinion about whether Peterson was guilty, Allred was openly sympathetic to the prosecution. She appeared frequently on television news programs during the trial. The prosecution's theory was that Scott had killed Lacey the night before, so on the, on the 23rd of December, right. and then had somehow got her body from the house into the vehicle. Someone had seen him loading up his vehicle in the morning and they'd explain, exchange pleasantries. And he was load apparently loading up his vehicle. Got a heavy load there, mate. Yes, with, I have. <laughs> with umbrellas, so it's hard to kind of understand how you could fit oh, what about a big body umbrellas, into though? umbrellas. Like, you know, like patio umbrellas. Imagine ca- ca- carrying them with body parts in them. Like it, <laughs> it couldn't be easy. They're hard enough to carry. You know, the, the, those big sort of shade umbrellas or whatever wouldn't yeah, fit in the yeah. car. Like yeah, just just the whole thing. Anyway, so. He wasn't seen carrying anything suspicious to the car. He was seen carrying umbrellas to the car. Oh, specifically, they, like not 100%. box that said umbrellas. Like no, no clear. umbrellas. Okay. Now I don't, I don't know why he's carrying umbrellas to his car, but that's what he was seen <laughs> doing. And there was no commentary around the fact that that could have been something that hid something. And also his demeanor when he did that wasn't suspicious. So his demeanor throughout the whole thing has only been suspicious because he's been quiet, like he hasn't been mournful. Correct. Uh, and, you know, carrying on. And, he's and been calm, he's been unemotional, all that sort of thing. Which, you know, so, he could be on the <clears throat> spectrum for all we know. In oh, 2003, we weren't even thinking about things like that. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, I think it's fair to say his behaviour was unusual, but I don't think that makes him guilty of doesn't make him a killer of murder. That's right. But so they, they said that he then loaded it up, gone to his warehouse where he had weighed the body down with anchors. Then he's driven to the marina, carried the body with the anchors to his boat. Now his boat is a 14 How foot. How big is this guy? Is he like Andre the Giant? Oh, no. The, the boat is a 14 foot aluminium, you know, really yeah. shallow yeah. kind of, yeah, tinny. like tinny. Yeah. And then he's dumped her into the bay where a couple of months later she has um, reappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Peterson's defence lawyers based their case on the lack of direct evidence and played down the significance of circumstantial evidence. They suggested the fetal remains were of a full-term infant and theorised that someone kidnapped Lacey held her until she gave birth and then dumped the bodies in the bay. The prosecution's medical experts contended that the baby was not full term and died at the same time as his mother. At one point, uh, one of the jurors was removed and replaced early in the trial due to misconduct. Uh, the jury foreman and attorney Gregory Did Jackson. Did they bring their own research in, perchance? <laughs> uh, oh no, no. So, so funny you say that. So they weren't. The jury weren't sequestered during the oh, far out. T- the trial because it, it was going to go on for you know eight or nine months, and they felt right. that that wasn't right. That's so much, yeah. the jury, obviously, whilst they're part of the trial, aren't allowed to do any research, but this trial is playing out you all over it. the TV. Mm-hmm. Not only yeah. that, you go home, People you're on the trial, it. your family are talking about it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the other thing is that people were actually Googling things as well whilst they were at home. But this in bloke... 2002. <laughs> this bloke makes... A, yeah, I know, they were searching on the internet. I don't know whether you Googled back then or what. The the juror... oh you asked Jeeves that's what you did in two thousand two right. do you remember ask Jeeves no sounds like ask cheeks <laughs> ask, ask cheeks. cheeks you ask cheeks it and then you knew what happens Swanee knows what I'm talking about <laughs> so juror Francis Gorman was removed and replaced early in the trial due to misconduct now what he had done is spoken to I can't remember anyway so he'd said something to them and he had also been fairly vocal about the fact that there was just no evidence so it didn't seem to make sense oh oh sorry who so, said that the juror so, that got moved on yeah okay. the juror yeah. who had a view that he probably would have said i can't convict no, no, no. this man yeah, yeah. reasonable doubt yeah mm-hmm. so then he left he was kicked off the jury and he was asked by the media at that point, did he think that Scott was guilty or innocent? And he said, well, there's absolutely no evidence that would suggest that he is guilty and therefore I would say he's not guilty. Jury foreman and attorney Greg Jackson later requested his own removal during jury deliberations, most likely because his fellow jurors wanted him replaced as foreman. Jerigos told reporters later that Jackson had mentioned threats he received when he requested to be removed from the jury. He was later replaced by an alternate. So, Schmidty, let's get to the evidence. Oh, please, can we? Yeah. Because there isn't any from what I'm hearing. But, yes, tell me what you've got. So what you've really, really got. <laughs> <laughs> a single hair was the only piece of forensic evidence that was identified, as I mentioned earlier. And what was, could you just remind me, what was a single hair attached to? Was it a pair of pliers? pliers. A pair of those pliers, pliers found yeah. on the boat. Yep. So, so that's the only bit of forensic evidence. So the police are saying that he, was, that he killed Lacey. But she in... was just on the boat. I mean, it was his boat. 
So the, boat, pol- wasn't it? the police are saying that he killed her in the house oh. and there is absolutely no evidence. And, and they actually said there's no evidence of a murder, a, a crime, let alone a murder in the house, literally nothing. And there's no evidence of it being clean to the point where, you know, things are being hidden. It's and just a normal And we don't know house. the cause of death, do we? Correct. We, yeah, okay. Uh, so the the... They didn't know how she died. They didn't know when she died, although they suspected it was the night before. Yeah. They suspected the motive was was because he had an affair uh, and they didn't know where she was killed. <clears throat> so the, the evidence is pretty slim. Presented as prosecution evidence during the trial was the fact that Peterson changed his appearance and purchased a vehicle using his mother's name in order to avoid recognition by the press. He added two... Po- oh, no, so he... he, he Sorry, purchased, did they bring up he, the fact that his eyes are a bit close together? And he's a bit yeah, shaky. yeah. You know, he, I mean, he, come on. He purchased a vehicle using his mother's name after the case, but to do, he did that so that the press wouldn't um, associate it with him. He added two pornographic television channels to his cable service only days after his wife's disappearance. Who hasn't done that in a moment of stress? the prosecution stated this meant he knew she would not be returning home it's a big bow long bow to draw i'm assuming that he hadn't had porn any time prior because maybe he just said i can't afford it this month (laughs) turned it off and then added it on again later yeah yeah i don't think you know swanee wasn't that your channel the adult channel yeah i'm sure wasn't it isn't it true that we i remember hearing this stat when i worked at aforementioned yeah. uh, place that we all worked at, that most hotels that have pornographic channels and subscriptions, the average viewing time is less than 12 minutes. Because <laughs> I don't know that statistic, <laughs> but I'm sure that would be the case. Yeah. Peterson expressed interest in selling his house he had shared with Lacey and traded in her Land Rover for a Dodge pickup truck. But how long after all of this? Well, I don't know, within the that 18 months or whatever it was. Well, but, this is, know, but this is the evidence. <laughs> She hasn't come home for a couple of weeks. I mean, you know, we all know that when people disappear that the likelihood of them, you know, that's that 24 hours, that critical period. And and unfortunately the statistic is the majority of them are gone. But but her body was also found in April, so that's only a three three or four-month window. So it's all right to sell the car after you know she's not coming back. As the trial progressed, the prosecution opened discussion of Peterson's affair with Frey and the contents of their secretly recorded telephone calls. And and so up until Amber Frey hits the witness stand, there is pretty much a, a complete disbelief amongst the jury as to why they're even having the court case because there's no evidence. Then Amber hits the stand. Is Amber the smoking gun, is she? Amber's the, the one he was having an affair with. And so she gets up there and they start playing the phone calls. So after her disappearance, uh, Scott's behaviour became more erratic and Scott began telling Amber that he was travelling when he was, in fact, still nearby. And then we've got, I've got a couple of snippets of the telephone calls that I would like to play you. But is that, but could that be, babe, it was a nice four times that we saw each other. I've oh, got a lot on yeah. right now. So you know, he, he doesn't really... think she watches the news, for instance. So this yeah. is uh, this is the the conversation between what, Amber what and Scott. 
Yeah. It's New Year's Eve. Okay. Um, and so he's basically, it's, it's hard to hear, but he's basically saying that he's in Paris for New Year's Eve when he's in fact about to attend the vigil or he's, you know, there's a crowd, he's at the vigil, I'm there is the Paris crowd. With <gasps> Gerard Depardieu and <laughs> who else is French? Marcel Marceau. Napoleon. Marceau. <laughs> with my friends, Marcel Marceau. <laughs> We'll try this one. Well, Amber. Yes. You came and told me this elaborate lie about her missing and this tragedy and that no. and that, that this will be the first holidays without her? To me, I never said Amber. I, I God, I don't want to fight with you. You know that I I never said tragedy or missing. Oh yes, you said you've lost your wife. No. Yes. Obviously, without me saying much, but we were. I said that I lost my wife. Yes, you did. I did. So that's that. That these calls change the course of the trial. So the the jury automatically go. He has no problem lying, and therefore, Mm -hmm. essentially, he's guilty. Is is it more likely that if you did it, you would have those phone conversations? Or is it more likely if you didn't do it, you would have those phone conversations? Because if you did it, would you really be saying you're in Paris? It just sounds like I I feel you'd be trying to hide things, not be completely ridiculous. So bear in mind, he had no idea that he was being taped in those things. That was the perfect thing to say. Well, like it is, right? It's... It's nonsense. Amber's very good, though. She, was, she played her role very well there to get what she needed. She was very good. Very nice. She's, yeah. Oh, she's wired and she was very impressive. So one piece of evidence that Scott Peterson's defence team attempted to use to exonerate the suspect was Scott and Lacey Peterson's dog. So at the time of Lacey's disappearance, Scott claimed that his pregnant wife had been walking their dog, Mackenzie, the golden retriever. Mackenzie was discovered by a neighbour, Karen Service, who testified via CNN that she saw the Peterson's golden retriever standing in the street, its leash, leash attached, but its owner's nowhere in sight on Christmas Eve 2002, the day Lacey went missing. How do you testify via CNN? Honestly. That sounds, <laughs> it's like, is, oh, I heard that. that. There you go. That'll do. This is exactly the problem with the case, <laughs> right? <laughs> She returned the dog to the Petersons' backyard and shut the gate. So the way that that was used by the prosecution is that that was proof that Lacey was missing before then because the dog's in the street with no lead on. Yeah, but missing before then doesn't mean he killed her. Also doesn't mean she's actually missing. It just means the dog's out in the street with a lead on. She could be in the house. So the reason that that's important is that during post-trial evidence and whatnot, they discovered that there was, when they'd scanned all the pages through to... Isn't the evidence meant to be brought in the trial? 
but so but so post trial they go we need this you know we're, we're going to fight for his innocence this is not right blah 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 and they discovered that when they were scanning all of the evidence at various points two pages would stick together and pages would go through and therefore the evidence wasn't being transmitted Xerox fully problem right okay we've all been there right one piece of evidence that was um reportedly hidden was was the second page that was attached was that the mailman had signed an affidavit that said that if Mackenzie was in the yard or in the house he would bark at the mailman every day if Mackenzie was around the dog would bark and on December the 24th the mailman came by and Mackenzie was not on the property basically the dog's whereabouts became important so he had to scan or put um, details into his system. You know, had a, must have had a handheld device, or whatever. He had to put it in to to show his whereabouts. And at ten thirty, he dropped the mail off, and the dog wasn't in the yard. So Karen said that she put the dog in at ten eighteen. At ten thirty, the mailman says, um, "I was there," didn't and the dog. Karen wasn't. say that she put the dog in the backyard. So would he have seen that? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, oh, he would have heard it. Heard the dog used to bark on the property. Okay, right. Correct. Yeah. He, he was in the house or okay. in the yard. He would bark. But so re- remember what I was saying before about that ten eighteen time frame, and that being the the bit that was absolute evidence. No one's disputing that that happened. But the missing piece of evidence for the trial was that the postman at ten thirty had been there and said that the dog wasn't on the property, which then kind of goes, well, if she's put it in the backyard, who's then exactly. taken it out? Had, had Lacey and Mackenzie actually gone for a walk, which is what and 18 people, all of a sudden, people, the, all, all those, those people who said, saw her on her normal her route. What are you talking about? Yeah, okay. Correct, yeah. And so had that piece of evidence come through, the trial would have played out very differently. Janie Peterson believes that uh, Lacey had a confrontation with men. So, sorry, Janie Peterson is Scott's sister-in-law, so his sibling's wife, believes that Lacey had a confrontation with men whom evidence shows were robbing the house across the street on the morning she went missing. That theory was part of Peterson's. Yeah, hang on. Now we've got some new people, right? Okay. So that theory was part of Peterson's trial and his appeal but has previously been rejected by the court. The reason it's been rejected by the court is a couple of, maybe a couple of weeks tops later, the police caught the two people who did the burglary and the first thing they said was we had nothing to do with the disappearance of that pregnant woman. Completely unprovoked, didn't ask. What pregnant woman? And the police, <laughs> the police never explored that of line they didn't. of they questioning. Had their man. They just went, "We're not here to talk to you about that. We're here to talk we to you about man, the burglary." Because you know, yep. in what is the statistic? Ninety something percent of cases, it's domestic partner. The prosecution presented Peterson's affair with Fry. Uh, Fry, I call her Fry. Fry. It's F R E Y. I feel like that's Fry, but it's Fry. Financial problems and impeding fatherhood as motives for the murder, surmising that he killed Lacey due to increasing debt and a desire to be single again. On the 12th of November 2004, the jury convicted Peterson of two counts of murder. First degree murder with special circumstances for killing Lacey 
and second-degree murder for killing the fetus she carried. Yeah, look, I've got to get back to work, so let's just wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been oh, going on long enough. You know, Far out. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah fine, guilty, whatever. <laughs> so the penalty phase of the trial began on November the 30th and concluded on December the 13th. When the jury rendered a sentence of death, on March the 16th, Judge Alfred A. DeLucchi followed the jury verdict, sentencing Peterson to death by lethal injection and ordering him to pay $10,000 towards the cost of Lacey's funeral, calling the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless and callous. The evidence was circumstantial from the start, but the jurors said a few simple truths stood out. The bodies of Lacey Peterson and the couple's unborn son washed up near where Scott Peterson said he'd been fishing the day she was reported missing. Peterson told a web of lies to those around him and his odd behaviour, including continuing to woo his secret girlfriend as police, family and total strangers were looking for his missing wife, were not the actions of a man who'd been wrongly accused. On October the 21st, 2005, a judge ruled that proceeds from a $250,000 life insurance policy Peterson took out on Lacey would go to Lacey's mother, which was reaffirmed by the 5th District Court of Appeal on October the 21st, 2005. Uh, on the 6th of July, 2012, Peterson's attorney, Cliff Gardner, filed a 423-page appeal of Peterson's sentence stated that the publicity surrounding the trial, incorrect evidentiary rulings and other mistakes deprived Peterson of a fair trial. Here's the reasons for the appeal. The judge excused all jurors who were opposed to the death penalty without asking if they could apply the law to this case. Oh, my Anyone who said they aunt. could... Anyone who said, so I'm not going to find the, him the, guilty and I'm not going to kill him, was said, off you go, cheers, bye. Yeah, if, no, anyone who said, if I do find him guilty... I'm not going to, I don't support the death penalty, was excused. The law actually said at the time that they had to ask the question, well, can you put that aside to apply the law to this case? None of them were asked that. They were all just kicked out. The other thing is that when they were trying to form the jury, 50% of the jury said that they thought he was guilty, oh, sorry, of the, the pool of jurors said they thought he was guilty before the trial. So another piece of evidence that prosecution had was that the dog Trimble, who was a sniffer dog, had detected... Had de <laughs> the dog, I was like, I don't remember Trimble. So yeah, I yeah, no, you don't. Had McKenzie. detected Lacey's yeah, yeah. scent. <laughs> so so Trimble had detected Lacey's scent at the Berkeley Again, Marina. Again, they fucking owned a boat. Lacey Go to the houseboat. Go on to, whilst, you know, the house at Hilton. Go in, you'll detect Tony's scent. He's been there. It doesn't mean I murdered him. Whilst Lacey hadn't walked there, the allegation was that she had been wrapped in a tarp when she was moved to the boat. Experts suggested that this is impossible for a dog to detect. Also, Trimble was tested to determine if she could detect this and was wrong two-thirds of the time. Oh, Trimble was a reject sniffer <laughs> oh, dog, wasn't so, she? <laughs> The, yeah, the other thing that the other thing that they said was that the thing that they gave Trimble to sniff also had Scott's scent on it. So if she was right, she could have smelt Scott's scent, not Lacey's, but she's wrong two thirds of the time. But that was evidence. She needs in a the new case. nose. She needs a new job. 
Yeah, yeah, correct. So the defence, bearing in mind that the theory was that he had tipped the body and the anchors out of the boat single-handedly in the middle of the bay, the defence tested the theory that a body could be tipped out of the boat with anchors on and determined that if this was to happen, the boat would tip. This was done on a day with similar weather conditions as the day Lacey went missing. They did it, I think, three or four times, and every single time they tried to do it, the boat tipped. Kept up, capsized. The judge didn't allow this evidence in the trial as it wasn't similar enough to get the prosecution's theory. However, we need to um, determine whether or not the boat would tip, right? So the judge allowed two jurors to get into the boat when on land and rock the boat to determine its stability. So they, they couldn't do it on the water because it was deemed to be too dangerous for them to try to tip the boat in the water. They just did it on dry land. So they, they literally there's footage of them sitting oh, oh, in the oh. boat on dry land, rocking it to see whether or not that's it would tip. Ridiculous. And they determined that footage. it wouldn't tip. Yet the, so, that, so that's allowed to be evidence of him. This is such. Actually, in the water on a similar day, wastage. tipping a boat out. Oh, God. On August the 24th, 2020, in a 7-0 decision, the Supreme Court of California upheld Peterson's conviction but overturned his death sentence because Peterson's trial judge, Alfred DeLuke, who had died on February the 26th, 2008, had dismissed jurors who opposed capital punishment without asking them whether they could put their views aside. So that was the reason that he was taken off. So they go, you still did it. But the fact that we'd said to everyone who Opposed it. Um, didn't support the death penalty, you can't be on the jury, meant that you were going to end up being given the death sentence. So Justice Leondra Kruger explained that per Supreme Court ruling since 1968, jurors may not be excused merely for opposition to the death penalty, but only for views rendering them unable to fairly consider imposing that penalty in accordance with their oath. This is the meaning of the guarantee of an impartial jury. Prosecutors initially stated that they would retry the penalty phase, but subsequently reversed that decision in June 2021. On September 22, 2021, California Superior Court Judge Anne Christine Masulo ruled that Peterson would be re-sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In October 2022, so last month, Peterson was moved off San Quentin's death row and transferred to Mule Creek State Prison in Ione, I-O-N-E, California. Swanee, do you know? No, I don't know. Um, it sounds like River Phoenix's sister or brother's name or something like that. They have like Ione. Ione, yeah. yeah, that'll do. And so Peterson, now 50, has a hearing scheduled for the 22nd of December 2022 where Judge Anne Christine Masulo will hand down her ruling regarding Peterson's motion for a new trial due to the to juror misconduct. So I'll tell you the other facts because you, well, some of these will blow your mind. Between 1999 and 2002, seven pregnant women went missing in and around Modesto. Three of them were in Modesto and four of them were within 80 miles of Modesto. Evelyn Hernandez went missing six months prior to Lacey. She washed up on the shores of the bay. She had her hands, feet and head missing. Her baby was never found. So I think that's a remarkably similar piece of evidence. You know, if, if, if you find a body that's washed up on the bays of 
San Francisco with no arms, no legs, and no head, and then six months later you find another one, I'd be going, God, they connected, aren't they? Six Scott Peterson was a busy boy. Occurred. He didn't yeah, even know yeah, her. That's but, right. You know, apparently he's been going around murdering not only his own wife. But a whole bunch of other pregnant women. Oh, so so, so to that point, um, as when, when this was playing out in the media, back when Scott went to I don't know university or high school university or whatever, some a woman went missing, and he went to the same let's say university as what she did. So the media implied that he may have been responsible for that. It was later proven that he absolutely had nothing to do with it, but the media never attracted the fact that they'd stated this but actually it had been proven that that was incorrect next piece of crazy evidence six criminal incidents occurred between the afternoon of the 23rd of december and the morning of the 24th of december 2002 this included the attempted kidnapping of lordes avila who was eight months pregnant at the time by two men probably lords but okay <laughs> Lords? Well, I feel like Lord is. Lords. What is Madonna's no, kid? Lords. Lord is. Yeah. No, Mad- Okay. I think it's, it's Lord spelled is. Lord is, but Lord it is. said Lords, but okay, fine, whatever. I mean, it's probably named okay. after Lords in France with Marcel Marceau and Gerard de Badou. <laughs> uh, correct. That would that would make sense. But yes. he also lives in I can't work Rome. out if you're correcting me or incorrecting me, but let's just go with the fact that you're correcting me because I don't know. But so there's this played out because this woman who was um, eight months pregnant, Lords, let's say, she was supposed to have her baby on the same day that Connor was to be born, which I think was the 10th of February. She saw two men out the front of oh my fucking um, god, her here shop. we go. The two men who said, "I've got nothing to do with that woman with babies. I don't know nothing about killing babies." Yeah. Two men out the front of the shop that she worked in by herself sitting in the car, staring in at her. And I think she went out. Put something on the little to, specials table. Yeah, to do something. And then kind of went, oh. So she went inside, rang the police and I think her family, saying that she thought that she was going to be attacked or you know, she, something suspicious was going on, and the men drove off. This poor woman, because her uh, child was to be born on the same day, feels that had she been abducted on that day, Lacey would never have been abducted and therefore Connor would never have died. And so she's got this horrible, I guess, existence where she's just going, my God, I was lucky, but it's kind of survivor's guilt, I guess. So then the other piece is obviously the, the bit we spoke about earlier, which was that Connor had nylon twine wrapped around his neck and electrical tape on his ear holding it down. And so the theory that he was in the womb when she was killed and weighed down doesn't stack up. And and so, in fact, what they think is that either he was removed from the womb forcibly, as in, you know, caesarean kind of thing, or... Well, it wouldn't be um, a caesarean because that would have been evidenced in her remains. Like pulled out. Well, well, no, because it was all... No, it was to cut open. And so the top of the uterus... Um, had oh, a okay, tear in sorry. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so when they were talking about it being ejected from the uterus, they were saying it came out the top, not out the bottom. Normally, which kind of weighs evidence. The other thing that Mark Jaragos had said was that potentially there was a satanic cult in the area, 
And that was, he was basically laughed down for that. And that was used by particularly Nancy Grace as how desperate the defence were to try to find ways of proving Scott's innocence or, or proving reasonable doubt. Um, but when you think about the number of pregnant women who've gone missing and the fact that somebody else uh, nearly got abducted the day before, it's not that much of a stretch. But where did, you, where did you say that you heard that evidence or not evidence or that that was in a telly movie? Did you say no? On the, on the, um, the murder of Lacey Peterson, Foxtel thing. It's a little bit like the make, making a murder or whatever it was, that, that first sort of Netflix thing that we all got yeah, sucked in by. Yeah, with Stephen Avery, yeah. But what does that mean? Because I've never watched it, I've heard of it. But does that mean it's documentary style or is it? So this is all, when, when they're talking about, it's, it's all fact-based, but when they're talking about um, having, so um, Christine, uh, Judge Anne Christine Masulo, who is going to hand down a ruling regarding Peterson's motion for a new trial, this is all yep. the stuff that would be part of the new trial if it does come up. So mm. she's got to determine, given all of these things, did he get an unfair trial? Yeah. I, th- I think importantly, they, so this this all played out in the last episode because it hasn't been factored into the court case prior. It hasn't resolved, And yeah. so, you know, they're not saying he's guilty or innocent, but it ends with, a, you know, this is the stuff that has to be considered. A question mark when they go to determine whether or not he should have a retrial. So then the other bit was, you know, that, that piece around the people who saw Lacey on her walk. And, and they said, that, you know, she was wearing black leggings and a white top. I think at least two of the nine said that. And that's what she was wearing allegedly in the morning. Two of the nine. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, there was expert testimony also in, the, remember I was saying in the first bit that they dismissed the Martha Stewart evidence yeah so there was they got a computer expert in to determine that scott was doing whatever in the warehouse and he was googling how to assemble a tool that he'd bought a woodworking tool or something that he'd bought and then there was 20 minutes that was unaccounted for but also the woodworking tool was assembled so they go well that 20 minutes was probably when he assembled the woodworking tool as he was doing. But also they then found out that in the morning after, sorry, in the morning, so remember their theory was that she'd been killed the night before. In the morning they determined that his, uh, sorry, her computer in the house had been used to search for sunflower dress material material or something. Yeah, yeah, so something to do with sunflowers. Lacey loved sunflowers. And so the defence said that that was evidence that Lacey was um, still, alive, still alive in the morning searching the yeah, computer as stuff, she would yeah. normally do. Can I just ask a question? Do you need a router to make five anchors? No, you do not. Body? Ah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So on, <laughs> on the anchor bit, so there were obviously cement was used to make these anchors. They were just concrete blocks with a like hook a bucket in them. And there was... One there, yeah, that that was in there. And the police said that there was evidence that five others had been made in there and Scott denied all of that. And they said, well, what happened with the rest of the cement? So Nancy Grace was all over the media going, you know, 
He made that he used he up the cement. He made these things and he did this and he... Yeah, so yeah. then he's, his answer was I tipped it on the side of the driveway. And was it still And there? she's going, oh, what a load of crap or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's a killer. Why would he do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they take her to the driveway and have a look at it. And there it and is. And there is concrete. Seven litres of concrete on the driveway, yeah. And so she just oh. Go, she goes, oh, and never never mentions it again. So, never you know, retracts it's, it's evidence that he murdered her, but now all of a sudden we don't talk about it oh. because that doesn't fit oh. the agenda. But I'm not wrong. I'm not right. wrong. Yeah. I, that, that particular piece of evidence just didn't stack with what I wanted. As we said, there were at least nine people who saw Lacey walking the dog on the normal route that she would walk on, but that was all dismissed for two reasons. One, that Karen's service had put Lacey back in the backyard at 10.18, and the other, that there were some inconsistencies around the exact time. So there was one woman who said that she worked at a hospital across a river, I think, and she was sitting there having a smoke before work, so she knew the time that she saw it. And she said that she saw Lacey walk, or a woman walking a golden retriever. And she said she saw two men, and they were having a, a bit of a yelling match at the time. All of what, that with Lacey, yeah, with the woman walking the dog. Oh, which, okay, okay. Okay, so presumably Lacey, yes. And then, the, the, of course, the missing piece of evidence around the postman who said that he said the, the dog didn't bark as it normally would and that was between 10.30 and 10.50, which fits in with all of the timeline that everyone's talking about. Also, coming back, remember we, we touched on the burglary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lady named Diane Jackson stated that she saw a burglary on the house across the road from the Petersons at about 11.40 on the morning of the 24th of December. She said there were three suspicious men and a van. So this was dismissed because when the police found the burglars, they determined that it was on the 26th of December, not the 24th. We didn't now, Google before Christmas. We waited until after. Correct. I, yeah. I could be but, very confident in telling you that, sir. But also the, the burglars said that as part of the burglary, they dragged the safe out onto the lawn, then <laughs> went back in to get some more stuff from the house. And the woman remembers very clearly that it was the 24th because as she drove past, they all gave her the evil eye. So she watched it all and went, oh, my Not God. The bird. And then did nothing. <laughs> Not the bird. And, and then did nothing because she wasn't, yeah. she wasn't so much watching what they were doing but the way they were looking at her. But when it came out that there was a burglary across the road, which so the, the people across the road were away for Christmas. When they came back, they said they'd been burgled and then this woman goes out to the the madding crowd across the road from the Petersons, which has the media and police and whatever, and she taps the policeman on the shoulder and says, hey, I actually witnessed the burglary because she remembered all of this stuff. So, And she said it was the 24th. The police caught the people and they said, no, it was the 26th. But the media, remember, as on the morning of the 26th, the media there. were there from 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And one of the reporters said that had there been a burglary going on at 11.40 in the morning across the road, especially where a van pulled up, they dragged the safe out onto the lawn and then <laughs> went back in. He said, I would have gone and interviewed them because yeah. 
That it's a low news day. Yeah. That's yeah. a story. I would have gone and done that. What are you guys up to over here? Yeah. Yeah. So also, um, there is a police report stating that the burglary occurred on the twenty fourth of December. And of course, I mentioned earlier when the burglar was interviewed, um, the first thing he said was he had no connection to the pregnant girl. I don't know nothing about murdered pregnant girl. Yeah, yeah. I can only birth babies. The detective said, I'm not here to ask you about that. I'm here to ask you about the burglary. And he never pursued the line of questioning about Lacey. Mm. <laughs> Clarky, is there anything that you've been able to watch or is there anything available, you know, recorded interview? What has Scott said? Because I've, I'm not aware of him saying anything. So this is part of it, right? So there's there's two ways you can look at it. And, and I, I guess I started throwing doubt into the case right from the start. But yes, you did. So 100%, I, I, because as it played out, I became more and more shocked by it all. But but so his his demeanour was bad. He never testified in court. And mm. so the jury said they would have loved to have heard from Scott. Yeah. About, was that his choice or was that what his attorneys suggested? Well, there was no, nothing that no indication defined that. that either way, but I, I would imagine that, his, his defence had said, you know what, this has all played out already. There's nothing you can say that will add weight to support. And because you're a weirdo and you smirk a lot and you look a bit smug, it could play badly 100%. for 100%. Yeah. Also, the jury is going to see you as a liar anyway, so whatever you say, they will just write off as a lie. Like it's, you know, I can understand why strategically they would say don't speak, but I think that it adds some weight the... I find it's very frustrating because at the at the heart of it, that's a pretty horrendous murder. It's you know, she was decapitated as well. I had a look at it when I was waiting for seven. Yeah, it's yeah. like really hardcore. Like someone hacked it to pieces. Yeah. And if, I don't know if they've found the head. Like it's really not good. I'm sorry, Swanee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do your own research? No. Because that's not what you're allowed to do in you this can't jury. can't be a juror. I know. <laughs> no, in this in. In the, in the history in, again. Yeah, 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 correct. We're, we're like the original jury where you can go home and talk about it with your family yeah, and, and Google it and all of that. Yeah, yeah, God. Sorry, yeah, this it's kangaroo co- court allows oh. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I, I feel like a, a skeleton is fairly strong and yeah. the fact that, like, if you weighed a skeleton down with anchors on the bottom of the ocean, I feel like it would stay there for a long, Ooh. long, 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 long time. The, the, Bones are going to break. I'm not convinced about that. I'm really sorry. I know, I you know said you're it not, earlier, but I, I didn't am. want to challenge you. But the thing that holds a skeleton together is ligature and muscle and flesh. And when those things are decomposed, you can have multiple decomposition outcomes depending on the environment that the body is in. So, is that not, your experience? We're not. <laughs> We're not looking. No, I know, right? Exactly. The way she said it with such authority. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've done experience. it twenty times, and every it's, single uh, time, it's different every this time. This is exactly I'm what. <laughs> That's right. You know what depends, you're gonna get. That's right, and it depends on whether we're in a saltwater environment, if we're in a freshwater <laughs> environment. Freshwater. Yep. There is Ooh, there is no soapification in this situation, so you know, like we're not getting any kind of preservation. That's happening. What we're having is the opposite here. So, so I, yeah. I don't find it difficult to believe that the body did decompose and fall apart. I, I find I 
I don't understand why you find that hard because all your your head is held on by is your neck bone, right? Vertebrae. Why and would they cut? Why would they come apart? If the flesh decomposes fast, or you are eaten by animals, right? So there's lots of fish. In, I'm assuming we're talking about the bay. We're a marine San Francisco situation. Bay. Yeah, yeah. A marine situation. Look, think about how many feet wash up on. Certain coasts in America. I know nothing about how <laughs> many scaring me now. on a certain Sorry. coast in okay. America. So there are places that have a, an over-index of feet that wash up of people who have allegedly or oh my suspectedly Lord. committed suicide. And what happens is because they're in a shoe, often the rubber of the shoe helps them go on currents and they move. But the foot itself detaches from the rest of the body because of decomposition. So 23rd, 24th, up to the 3rd of January, poor Lacey. No, no, 24th is the prosecution's case, so 24th. Okay, but, yeah, she's and, in the and water. with the theory that she's been weighted down, right? Yeah. But let's just say, let's just open up. So there's something like eight days between that. She, she parts of her appear in March, was it April? So we've got April. three months of decomposition. <laughs> I'm not a forensic scientist. I don't know for sure, although we well should said. probably investigate Well one. said. I think we should just stop oh, I mean, after that. All the way no, down no, no, in the no. forensic <laughs> sciences. <laughs> but what I can tell you from personal experience, and it is truly personal experience, that a body rises in water from <clears> gas within like three or four days. Not just yeah. uh, literally from personal experience, right? I, I don't find it hard to believe that she had decomposition at that rate. That but, parts but once, of her disconnected. I don't. I don't find that hard to believe. But once once you take the flesh away, the need for the body to go up to the surface would be hundred percent reduced because you don't have air pockets. You don't have the fat that would float on water. Bone is far less likely to float. And you know what supports your argument? The fact she was missing all the organs. My credibility. No, no, I'm just saying you're right. The fact that she was missing stuff that would But that's what I'm saying. She was placing it. Where was it? Where was what? Gone or floated away. Yeah, yeah. But but so, like, if you stick with the But what was she left as? I don't understand that, I don't think. Was she just like a... If you... you, Yeah, I can try to explain it to you as best I can, but you've got to want to hear it. It's awful. You've got to not say, oh. So if you you think about the prosecution's theory, so she was dumped in the bay on the 24th, weighed down, and she washed up as a torso, so no legs, no arms. arms. It's not just wrists or, you know, it's it's literally the whole limbs that are missing, not the extremities. Yes. No head. They are extremities. No, but what I'm saying is it's not the... The hand is washed up somewhere else, yeah, and yeah, uh, I know what you, mean. Yeah. you know. <clears throat> so if she was if she was weighed down by the hand, potentially she'd have most of her arm there. If her wrist, yeah, it yeah, came yeah, off the wrist, yeah, yeah. unless but someone had interfered and like 100%. broken her arms or something. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But so also she's basically unrecognizable. So all of her internal organs are gone. Her uterus is still intact, albeit. A, a, slice from the top, yeah. T- cut in the top, yeah, yeah. So, but what does but that can, mean? Yeah, but can I, I ask so, that? So, yeah, the, just, the part no. about that is that I understand the, the baby either ejected through the top of the uterus and that's but, how it became external, or it was cut out. Can I put a theory forward? <laughs> sure. For whatever reason, she had a in the decomposition, she had a high bacterial count. That's why all the other organs are gone and her uterus bursts open because she's just, you know, like that's that's where the decomposition happened. That's and possible. 
And that's when the nylon got wrapped around the baby's neck and the the tape got... And this sticky tape on its fucking ear. But so... That's the bit I don't get. But at the same time, go and look at, and I don't mean to be rude, Flotsam and Jetsam on a beach and there's all sorts of shit wrapped up in... um, if, so seaweed the, and other things. The tape I can't come at. The nylon, hundred yeah, percent. That yeah, that could right, happen. Yeah. But also, I think if you then go, well, what if the timeline wasn't the twenty fourth of December? What if the baby was the third of January? I can then see a point where she was abducted, and if there's you know seven other women abducted around that time, and a pregnant woman who is due on the same day abducted the day before or try, uh, you know, tried to be abducted the day before. There's a pattern. I can yeah. see a point where they want to get the baby for some reason, which then plays into that satanic thing that no one wants to hear, right? I get that that's a stretch, but but why would it, seven look, pregnant women a, go missing in yeah, three yeah, yeah. years? It might not even be a satanic thing. It's just a psycho thing, right? What it, whatever it is. But so then they, they're, they're abducting pregnant women because they want the babies and then, you know, and, and of course the, the big thing that came up in this Foxtel show was that because Scott had said that he went to Modesta, to um, the marina, then everyone. Paris or Belgium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> everyone knew that that's where he's been. So then if you've got a body to dump, where are you going to dump that's it? That's where you went. Yeah. He didn't. The media did, right? So he's telling the police this is where he's been and it all plays out across the whole country. But he told Ticket. the police, right? So he didn't deny being there. He said, oh, I went to the marina, I went fishing. Like, you know, like he didn't say shit that made, he doesn't sound like a master criminal is all I'm saying. Uh, there's a whole lot of that. But but the point is if like you if you were trying to get rid of a body and you were hearing this on the media, you would dump it there, right? Because... That would almost oh, straight away point. get you right. off. Not really, because there'd be people there. It would be pretty no. hard to like just slip it in. Yeah, but it, it just dots no, but, him in. But they wouldn't suspect anyone else well, because why, he's but, he's I mean, the main suspect. All you got to do is in the in the at night time go and chuck a body I could in there. Easily put a body in the in our speedboat, take it out and dump it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you could. It's just black and white, isn't Swanee, it? You probably have. not. You have. Yeah, you are. I never have. I'm just saying it, it's doable. It could be possible. I can see it happening. There is evidence of Scott being at the marina because he has a ticket because you have to go in and pay to parking park there. Yeah, so yeah, he's, got yeah. a, he's got a parking ticket. So that was raised as suspicious because it was kind of convenient that he had a ticket at the marina when yeah. he said he was there, although clearly <laughs> he was but doing other stuff. <clears throat> yeah. But he also came back and filled up with petrol on the way back, but didn't have a receipt for that. So that was suspicious because he didn't have a receipt for the petrol. So he was really in this place of... Inconsistently receding. And any bit of evidence was looked at from the point of him being guilty, not from the point of, I wonder who actually committed this crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's no inquiry here. We've made our decision up really quickly and everything has to be fit to suit it. And and that's what I said right at the start. The important bit is that every bit of evidence was all looked at straight away from the point of he's guilty, he did it. One of the things I find interesting is that you've mentioned that there were all these other crimes in the area that related to pregnant women. Yeah. Is that constantly coming up in the you know these documentaries that have been you know trying to present a, a view that might counteract the fact that they yeah. thought he was guilty 
But what have they really done to look into that? What were they able to discount that? Were they were they truly explored? Because it's pretty major. So, Can I yeah, ask an right. uncomfortable question? But how many yeah. of those women were women of color or Latino background? I don't I don't know. The if, woman in if, the shop was Latino. Yeah, the woman in the shop was. I think Lords was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but but so I think importantly for for all of that, this is the bit that came out in the last episode, right? Because it's right. it's the most current bit. Because there are people who are actually trying Still to prove thing. Scott as innocent. Yes. So the the detectives who were investigating the case never even looked that far back because they had their man right Straight from up. day one because yeah. he acted funny. You know, he was unemotional he had a smug look about him he smirked he didn't he an affair. He oh and the other thing was going. that when he was being interviewed they said would you take a lie detector test he said yeah sure no problem and then his father said do not take a lie detector test because if you do then if they find you didn't do it then nothing will happen but if they find the slightest thing that looks like you did do it they will play that out. So then he backtracked and went, I won't do it. And therefore they said, well, that's another that, reason well, for why you're he's hiding guilty. behind it. Yeah, he refused even to lie though, detector test. Even though polygraphs are proven to be you It's know, inadmissible. Flawed. It's flawed. So, so you, you it was can't never, prove anything. It was can, never going to be evidence. All it yeah. is is for the police to then get some, make a decision of, either oh, way. Well, well, you know, maybe he's yeah, yeah. telling the truth if he's, happy to go through that but you know a, a really good psychopath can get through that easily so there you go i think that's about all i've got for you on this story goodness well, me is that all <laughs> yeah, i know right far out again brought a great one to the table it's a very good story i don't know that he didn't do it to be honest yeah, there, yeah. but you know if if with this was if this kangaroo court of ours was an actual court there's no evidence to make me go yeah okay fine convict him i'd I, I, even if there was a part of me that thought, mm, he's Scott Morrison, he's very smug, I want to wipe that smirk off his face. Just slap him. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't mean that he killed his wife and his unborn child. So I think I'm going to start off, Swanee. I'll start, Swanee. Yeah. I've got this really noisy crow. Can you hear it? I can yeah. hear it. Yeah. It Say wants to be on the podcast. Nature Go get, Murder it. Go murder get your it. gun, doll. I'm going to return to the beginning of the story. Right. Doubt on me. And at the beginning of the story, we talked about Cal Poly. Yeah. Yep. Now, I don't know if Cal Poly actually <laughs> runs any legal or, you know, courses around law or degrees in law, but I'm going to send basically the prosecution and the defence, this shit house too, and the police and everyone back to Cal Poly because I think they need a bit of practical experience. I yeah. feel like... The nice model that Cal Poly offers between degrees and academic, uh, you know, study and also some, you know, real life experience would be useful for them because even if he is guilty of this crime, they haven't evidenced it. They haven't done their jobs. And how many times do we get angry about people who just don't do I mean, don't get me started oh, about people who wow. oh, don't do their job. Wow. Right? Well, every fucking day. <laughs> and I mean that on a personal level. <laughs> but anyway, people just should do their jobs. You're paid to do a job. If you're not capable of it, don't accept the role. And frankly, they're just disgusting. So they all go back to school. And that school has, what's it called? 
corporal pun is it corporal punishment when you smack people as opposed to capital when you kill them? Correct. Yeah, corporal punishment. And yeah. we're going to have uh, some of the – remember the one of the first episodes where I had the whipping wheel? I think Ooh. some of these people need a bit of Cole's whipping wheel or whatever it was called because they just need to be woken up. But I just think Scott should just basically put in a chastity belt for a bit and cool his jets and stop downloading porn and stop thinking about the sexual stuff for a while and think about his – even if he didn't kill poor Lacey – he should really think about his behaviour as an adulterer and a person who didn't seem to care particularly. And I don't know, it seemed to care, perceived to care about the loss of his wife and his unborn child. Uh, who else can I punish? Oh, i tell you what. Oh, Amber. Amber. Yeah. <clears throat> i got issues with her because it's like she just went, here's my moment of fame. Here's my moment to be something. I'm going to wear a wire. I'm going to be. She's not Greg. You don't spend nine months with a Red Bull can setting up in a car park and setting up a sting. <laughs> oh, I don't a... agree with you. I think she was. I, I, I think she's she did a the right thing. Biatch. No, I, I think so. Because I think she was trying to exonerate herself and separate herself from the fact that she was having oh. it off with someone who was married. Under yeah. goes to her fine, but just cut ties with it. Sure, go. Well, no, but she might have been able to like help sure. someone who's a murderer. I think she yeah. did the right thing. Yeah, no. she didn't want to do I'm it in not. the beginning when there, the cops first approached it. She goes, "No way." Oh, did she? There's okay. also a, there's also not a conversation fair. between Amber and Scott where he says that he's proud of her for doing what she did. And what did she do? See, so for going and having the media conference to to say that she was basically having an affair with him so he didn't say how dare you like if, if you were guilty you'd be going why are you throwing me under the bus bitch yeah yeah whereas he was going do, even if they yeah even if they weren't guilty yeah. I, I find it odd that he said he's proud why? of her but yeah. this taped conversations think? of that and she knew they were being taped he didn't why would why because would you say he that was gen- maybe he genuinely had affection for her Maybe he genuinely liked her. But also, Maybe if you did it, leave his wife for her. But if you did it, would you say you're proud of her, of her, or would you go? Because because you most, I think you're the thing you'd be trying to do is get yourself cleared. So you wouldn't be proud of someone who's just literally gone on TV and thrown you under the bus. You'd be Correct. going, why did you say that? What a liberty! Yeah, wow. Exactly. <laughs> uh, wow. It's a migraine. Anyway, it's not a headache, it's a migraine. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, exactly. it's not a migraine, it's an headache. I'm not cool on her, but you're all convinced me that I should leave her alone. So fine, Amber, you get a free pass on this occasion. I don't think she did anything that was – oh, that was what I was going to ask. So Media I... whore, Mark. Mar- yep, go. Anyway. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about um, the photo from Christmas – are these yes. like this really American? They nearly look like they're like professional photographs. Is there a series of them? No. So at the end of the oh. the, the important bit about the photo was at the end of the prosecution's case, they put up a photo of pregnant Lacey by herself, and on the same night, roughly they're taken on the same night, Amber and Scott at the Christmas party. So the prosecution's case ended with two images. One was Lacey pregnant all by herself. My head is spinning because I feel like this just raises more questions than it answers. I find it frustrating that for something that was clearly so deliberate in, you know, 
getting rid of somebody, that there's no more evidence to, to point to other people or other, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh no, yeah. we just focused on this. And obviously that's very frustrating, but I've had already written notes to the same effect, which is where you went, Schmitty, which is Scott's lack of empathy and the way he behaved. Uh, I think, I don't know if criminal is the right word, but it, you know, it, there's something very troubling about that. Yeah. So if he had um, sort of inhuman, and then and then then yes, therefore people responded so, to it like exactly. he was inhuman, and therefore that's he was capable of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like Scott I, Morrison. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that's what I struggle with. Is that I just don't think that if he was wasn't involved, he doesn't seem to have been able to have any any concern for his unborn child it doesn't mean that he didn't know I, I know i don't you know, know if he did you know, i'm not we don't know what he felt know, inside know. and what was going yeah. on inside him he could well be on the spectrum i would suggest looking at the photographs of him he could certainly present he looks very you know jolly and very happy with amber in the photo and even with and with lacy it doesn't yeah. look like he's there's an awkwardness to any of it that led up to that prior you know, it's not like he didn't go to university, school, you know, golf. He, no one was going, oh, my God, there's something not quite right with this guy because we hear that lots of the time, you know, something was a little bit untoward, there was Bad a problem with him or, or her. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it just feels like this guy was pretty normal until he wasn't. And whether and, and when I say when he wasn't, that could be that he did or didn't murder his wife, but certainly the way he behaved in that week and, you know, getting in touch with Amber and, you know, just as if nothing had happened that's not that's not normal that's that yeah. suggests something else was not right in that whole equation so how would i punish him well i don't know how do you punish someone who's oh, that's the problem all the time is it you need to, you, it, when you want to punish someone you want to, them to feel something and because he wasn't able to feel anything about his wife being missing at the time and you know certainly you know, he would have been getting ready for his child to be born who had a name already. It wasn't like they weren't vested in it, or someone certainly was. It doesn't add up, and I just think, mm, I don't know how to punish him, but he'd be the one I'd go for. Clarky. Uh, I, God, you know, the, the more, I, I normally form an opinion quite quickly, a, a little bit like yeah. Nancy Grace. Nancy. Yeah, I do, and and and. This is the. This is what I really struggled with. Can you right? put an Arkansas accent on and like go to hell? And I'm pretty sure <laughs> she was a Arkansas, former Arkansas. prosecutor. I just prosecutor. love Arkansas. Yeah, I cannot. But so what yeah. I what I struggled with was when I started researching this case. My first opinion was I think he did it, but I think legally he's innocent because I cannot yeah. see yeah. how beyond reasonable how doubt. It. Yeah, he yeah. was found yeah. guilty. Where I ended, where it. I ended was I actually can see a sure whole mm. credible scenario where he actually what what he said was absolutely true. He is completely innocent. He's just weird. Dumb. Oh, I don't even know if it's dumb. It like it's yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's okay to not show emotion when you're wife goes missing i find it weird that it's a tad insensitive isn't oh, it do you reckon <laughs> even if you don't want to I show know, emotion so um you know all of that i find weird the whole amber fry thing you know just having those conversations i don't get it i don't understand it i don't even want to understand it it stinks it's not okay but none of it points to guilt it points to him being in love with a toe her. Rag, a dirty toe rag, yeah. Yeah, like it. So, but so what I, 
I guess I love rats. I guess where I kind of land is my mate Nancy. You are you're not in a court of law. You might have an opinion, but you are not helping the process at all. Yeah, yeah, he rubbed you up the wrong way. Who cares whether you think that makes you stop being a media whore and have some empathy for the process because what does that do for the family of Lacey who go, well, he must be guilty before any of the evidence has been heard. Everyone thinks that he's guilty because of the likes of her. I think she needs her tongue cut out 100%. Oh, oh, oh. Never. No, 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 no. Look, let's not go that far, but let's put a scold's bridle on her. I'll be fucked. I'm What's cutting that? her tongue off. I'm not I'm not arguing about this. This is my sentence, not yours. <laughs> her tongue's coming out. She's never going to speak again. I think I'll probably take. Never going to not speak. Yeah. Never speak. Don't speak. <laughs> I don't care no, what you're no. thinking. She, I think she needs to have all communication skills taken away. So she can't write, she can't speak, she can't use those thought things that connect to your brain and, and you know, <laughs> um, translate that into words. I just think that if, <laughs> if she can read yeah. into something with such certainty that <gasps> someone is guilty, oh, God, what are you showing us? A scold's bridle, I'm telling you. It's a scold's bridle. I think you'll find it's quite effective, but okay. Tell me what it is. What what does the word say at the top of that? Scold bridle. It clamps on the tongue. Yeah. And there's also metal around and over the head so it can't be removed. So it's like... Padlock to the head, so you can't take. Where do you get yours made, Schmidt? Or do you just buy them? <laughs> she's got a welding license. She makes just them local. herself. <laughs> just well, yeah. Don't be stupid, Clarky. She doesn't make. She doesn't make them personally. She designs them. She's got a welder. But who she, works she's got to make them. She works at a tape. Who do you think you're doing? Skull's bridal skill. <laughs> Oh, a cert three in skulls bridling. Like, presentation of what they've been doing in you know welding one hundred and one. It's like, what do you call this? Oh, that's a skulls. I get your point about you know, and then we could also put her in like little figure things so she can't do stuff. But skulls bridle is pretty effective. Or just chop them sure, off. Sure, cut yeah, her tongue Yeah, I was out going with cut her fingers off, cut her tongue oh, off, all that oh, sort of stuff. Oh, but oh, you know, oh. if you've got another way of achieving the same I goal, I do like a medieval. I do like a medieval. Medieval. Yeah. Medieval. Medieval. You could strap her hands like this so that they're like that so she can't, you know, become clubs. Cut right. Yeah, yeah. Club tendon. Yeah, because I just think. Skull's bride and, yeah. I don't don't want cases playing out in the media like that. And, honestly, (laughs) if you watch footage of her, I found her gross. Clarky, I think you need to run some of these people through a bit of media training because you, you said something before which I loved and you said, I do not want to hear, and it's like it was like you're a coach. Yeah. I was like, you need to have them in front of you. I do not want to hear your opinion if it's not. Well, can we have a um, based on fact? I do not want to a, hear. What if we had the apprentice? Clarky's media training. No, no. Let's have um the apprentice uh, news reporter where you've got to go through that whole apprentice program, which I never watched, but I, I'm assuming I know what I'm talking about. Where you can just say, yeah, "Yeah, I don't want to hear that, Nancy. I agree. Swanee, you just said. Media training with Clarky for the. (laughs) I like it. 
Median, I think that's the best punishment. In Media four weeks, we'll find out Parky. whether Parky, he's yeah. got another trial. So I think we should. Okay, oh. so we can do an update after this. 8th yeah, of December, I think, is when it's scheduled for. So Okay, which yeah. is great because this show will come out New Year's, Correct. around New Year's, yeah, yeah. and so we might have We can do an update later on. Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year. I can see the Eiffel Tower from Paris when I'm really at my wife's vigil. Well, I gotta say, Clarky didn't expect that. I thought you were talking about Michael Peterson, of course, the staircase fame. Great story. Thank you, everyone. Great and story. Well done. Lots of research there. Well done. Yeah, it was really good. Miss you already. Thanks, beautiful people. Ciao. Bye. Miss you already. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, trial by wine, or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.